0: Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. I saw a great white throne in him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the, hev- and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. The books were open. another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were, which were written in the books according to their works. The sea gave up the dead which were in it, death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, They were judged every man according to their works, and death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Thank you very much. You may be seated. Tonight is Bible Prophecy Night. Prophecy is a study of the future. It's history written in advance. Take a trip with Jesus Christ to a day that's coming far sooner than anybody wants to believe. It's called the Great White Throne Judgment. In that judgment, everyone who's never been born again, I didn't say was not religious. I didn't say didn't go to a Baptist church or had been baptized. But everybody who's not been born again will have to go and kneel at this Great White Throne Judgment and be met by Jesus Christ. So what I'm going to try to do tonight is, by the grace of God, explain to you how not to have to go there to be judged, but how that your sins have already been judged on the cross. If you'll repent of your sin and by faith receive Jesus Christ, your name will go in the book of life, and you'll never have to worry one moment about kneeling at the great white throne judgment. Tonight's message is entitled, The Court of No Appeal. Let's bow our heads to pray. you for the Word of God. We thank you that it's always right. It never has to be apologized for. Would you help me as I announce it tonight to do so with the unction and function and the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Don't let anybody leave this building with any doubt that they have been born into the family of God. Don't let any Christian leave this building tonight just existing. May every born-again believer understand that the best thing that could happen to all of us For us to have a genuine, old-fashioned, heaven-sent, God-anointed revival. And we thank you in advance for what you are going to do and say in Jesus' name. Amen. There's coming a day when the final sentence of history shall be written. God will reach his holy hand out of heaven and put his eternal period at the end of that sentence, and time will be no more. You may or may not realize that that event was released and given to John when he was a prisoner on the island of Patmos. It was recorded in the book of Revelation, and we still have what's going to happen some years down the road. Somebody said, Preacher, it's hard to hear messages that bring judgment to our face. Yes, but you have judgment tonight. Repent of your sin and get saved by the grace of God so you don't have to have judgment in that day. Revelation 119, Jesus said, Write the things which thou hast seen, the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. Before us is his writing. I want you to see first of all tonight the exaltation of the judge. Look at verse 11. I saw a great white thrown in him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. The first thing he sees is an exalted person. You say, Preacher, do you know who this person is? I do because there's many places it tells us. John five twenty two, the Father judges no man, but he commits all judgment to the Son. That's Jesus. In Acts seventeen thirty one, he hath appointed a time in which he shall judge the world by that man whom he hath ordained, given assurance unto all men and that he hath raised him from the dead. That's Jesus Christ. Romans 2.16, in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. You say, preacher, Jesus has always been that sweet and lowly infant in the bay and the babe that was born in the cradle, yes. And that's a picture of him all the way through the Bible until you get to this passage of Scripture. But when you get here, he's no longer the meek and lowly Jesus. He's the strong, almighty everlasting God, who will bring every man's work into judgment. That's the exalted person. But then you have his exalted position. He's sitting on a throne. And I read this years ago, and I thought to myself, why would it be such an important throne? Because there's no other God and no other judge who's ever lived or will live that's as important as Jesus Christ. Psalm 9 and verse 4, thou sittest upon thy throne judging right. Jesus has never done wrong. Psalm 45, 6, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1, In the year that king Uzziah died, I also saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up. And I said, why would this throne have to be so important? Because there's never been any leader who's ever lived in all of human history more important than Jesus Christ. It's important that you sit here tonight and understand there's a lot of people who've lived and died who didn't have near the importance of this Jesus. I know this is not just some man, this is Jesus, because in Matthew 25, 41, that there's the judgment of nations, but it's not this judgment. Revelation chapter 4, there's a judgment, and behind the throne is the rainbow, and the rainbow, as you know, is a sign of God's mercy, and it's not mercy here. This is a sign of judgment. Third, it's also the exalted power. This is called a great white throne. The word great means mega. There's never been a throne like this one because there's never been a judgment like this one. If you study Psalm 48, 1, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Psalm 147, 5, great is our God and of great power. His understanding is infinite the book of Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 6, you find that Jesus said, I am the power. Nobody has ever been what Jesus will be in that day. Oh, he has that power tonight, but most of us have never seen it like we'll see it in that day. Oh, yeah, he is infinite and we're finite. We come to him and we kneel at his nail-scarred feet, and he looks at us and he might say it this way, I did all this for you. Now let's find out what you did for me. There are going to be a lot of people who were hot shots in church that will be no shot at the great white throne judgment. There will be nothing to answer. No way to defend a carnal, loose, godless lifestyle. Then also you need to understand his exalted purity. This is called a white throne. Eighty times in the Bible the word white is used. It almost every time stands for the purity of the objective or the person who's sitting on that throne. If you were to study Isaiah 118, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. The Bible tells us in Matthew 28 and verse 3, his countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 10, two men stood by in white apparel. In the book of Revelation chapter 2, there's a white stone. Chapter 3, there's white raiment. Chapter 6, there's white robes. and chapter 19, there's a white horse. And in every occasion I just gave you, it represents total purity. So let me reintroduce to you the exalted person and power, the exalted position and the exalted purity. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the great white throne Jesus Christ is presiding. Number two, you need to see not only his exaltation, but you need to see his examination. Look down at verse 12 where it says, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. In verse 13, the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. Now the word dead in the Bible can refer to either physical death or spiritual death. In both of the situations, your body and your soul are separated. So if you've been thinking that when you go to the great white throne judgment, Uh, it'll be a little weak and it won't be real nice, but you'll be able to get through it. All you got to do is just exist on planet earth and somebody's lied to you. There has never been a judgment like this. In this judgment, the one who could have been your justifier and taken away every sin will be your judge. And everything you tell him won't matter because he knows exactly what you did and did not do on planet earth. It's interesting, if you study Hebrews 9, 27, it's appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. Once to die, and after this, the judgment. In the book of Job, chapter 21, and verse 30, the wicked are reserved for the day of judgment. In Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 2, the rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is maker of them both. When will that be, the great white throne judgment? So if you're sitting here tonight and you're kind of blowing this off and you're saying, evidently I got in one of these hot hell preaching services, you're right. And if you think I'm going to apologize for anything I'm preaching, you're wrong. Because whatever is stated in the Word of God is true and will be true for eternity. This man, Jesus Christ, calls and assembles all the dead from all creation. But he not only has an assembly of the dead, he has an accounting of the deeds. The Bible tells us in this passage of Scripture that the books were open. Another book was open which the dead were judged out of those things. I'm in verse 12, which were written in the books according to their works. John 3.18 says... If you believe not, you're condemned already. Somebody said, Preacher, I don't don't think I've sinned enough to have to go to hell. You don't understand your Bible. If Jesus took into consideration what you and I take into consideration, then even babies that were born who have not had an opportunity to make right and wrong choices would have to go to hell. Because nobody goes to heaven because they were born good. We were all born bad. And we don't get any better in the process of life until we have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. That personal encounter, you bring him your sin, he brings his son. That personal counting, you explain to him why you need to go to hell, and he explains to you why he saved you and put your name in the book of life. It's one of the most unique trade-offs you've ever heard of in your entire existence. And Jesus is the one who's making the difference. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verses 13 and 14, the Bible says that we're to be careful that we walk with God. The Bible also tells us in the book of Romans 2.16, in the day when God shall judge the secrets. You got any secrets? Secrets. You got anything that nobody knows about but you, you're dead wrong. Everything you know about, God knows about. Nothing you have ever done or could hide is back from God. You will meet a holy, righteous, perfect, just God at this place. Now the question tonight is, are you ready to meet him? Somebody said, well, preacher, I don't know that it's really necessary for me to go because I guess by this time I'm already in hell and he brings me back and I I guess he's going to justify some things and get rid of some other things. No, you didn't study this passage. This passage does not justify you. This passage judges you. This passage does not put you in any right relationship with the God that you turned down. This passage of Scripture puts you in a relationship with a God that you turned down that you can never receive for all eternity. You're going to meet Him. He's going to meet you. How long is it going to be? I have no idea, but I know this. Henry Moore said, It could be that the resurrected body will be designed with individual nervous system whose sensory response is graduated in proportion to the punishment. Preacher, can you explain that? Take your Bible, please, and go to the Gospel of Luke, your your Bible and the Gospel of Luke. When you get to the Gospel of Luke, go with me to chapter number 11, and let me explain the judgment itself. Preacher, why would a person who's already been condemned to hell and may have been in hell 2,000 years, why would they have to go to this judgment because at this judgment, everything that they did that comes to flourishing. Some of you didn't get that. When you're dead, you're not dead. You're actually still living. And what you left behind on planet Earth is still living. And whatever it accomplishes negatively in the lives of the unsaved forces you to suffer worse in the lake of fire. Then less. I want to pick up my reading in verse number 20. The Bible says, then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of the mighty works were done because they repented not. In other words, they understood that they needed to change their mind, but they didn't. Verse 21 of chapter number 11 of the gospel of Matthew. Did I announce Matthew? Well, that's the reason. I kept looking at some of you people and you look like you've been hit with a ball bat. Well, let's go to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Look down at verse 21. Matthew chapter 11, verse 21. Woe unto thee, Choraz, woe unto thee, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works of thee were done in Bethsaida, were done in you, and had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes." But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable, bearable, endurable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which are exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which had been done in thee had been done in Sodom, they would have remained unto this day. But I say unto you, it will be more tolerable, bearable, endurable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. What's the Bible teaching? The Bible is teaching their decrees of the punishment in the lake of fire. If you've been sitting in church most of your life saying, well, if I go to the lake of fire, it'll be just like some of the others that were bad and we'll all have to suffer, you don't understand the teaching of the Bible. Every gospel message that you turn down adds to your torment and torture in the lake of fire. Every opportunity that you had and were under deep conviction, but somehow your pride kept you from repenting and coming to Jesus, brings you under more judgment. So here's the teaching of the Bible. Here's a young man that goes to a public school, and he hears the gospel one time, but he doesn't get saved. Now he's going to the great white throne judgment. You hear the gospel in Bible class, or you hear the gospel in Sunday school, and you're told exactly how to be saved, but you don't get saved either. Which one suffers worse? According to this passage Scripture, the person who's been given the gospel over and over and over and over until it doesn't affect you at all. And now you can sit in church and none of this bothers you. You say, Preacher, that's hard to believe. You better believe it because it's happening to some of you tonight. And it may be when the service is ended, if you get up and shake this off and go out to your car and wait on your wife, God may simply say, that was the last time I spoke to you. You'll never hear me again. You say, Preacher, this is an awesome passage of Scripture. It may be one of the most awesome passages of Scripture in all the Bible. Every Bible class you went to, every Sunday school class you went to, every time you sang in the choir, every time you gave a gospel message, everything that you did that did not repent of, you will be judged for. I want to call your attention back to verse 20 because he said they repented not. And I want to call your attention to verse 21 because they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. And I want to make a very important point tonight. Salvation is not just believing that Jesus died, was buried, and raised again. Satan and all of his demons believe that. And Satan and none of his demons will ever go to heaven because they've already damned their own soul. But they mentally believe the teaching of the Bible. But they don't personally change their mind and put all of their confidence in Jesus Christ, who He is, He's God. What He did, He died in your place, took all of your sin on His body, paid for it with His red royal blood, was put in the tomb, and three days later, He came out alive in the body and alive in the soul. And you say, well, I believe that. No, the question is not, do you mentally believe that? The question is, have you ever personally received that? You say, Preacher, go on. No, I'm just looking tonight at you to tell you that you may mentally believe that, but if you've never personally received it, you're not going to heaven. Salvation is of, in, by, and through Jesus Christ. And without Jesus Christ, you have no salvation. The Bible tells us in Luke 13, 3 and 5, except you repent, you'll perish. Acts 3.19, repent ye therefore and be converted. Why? That your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Acts 17 tells us you need to repent. Acts 20.21, 20, repentance toward God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you look up every one of the scriptures I just gave you, all of them deal with salvation. So if you're here tonight and you're having real trouble with an old man preaching the gospel that includes repentance, you better take that up with Jesus because he's the one that said it did. If you're sitting here now and it really bothers you that I'm teaching you a simple Bible truth, God changes your life, you change your mind. Until you come to the place that you'll change your mind, you can't be saved by the grace of God. You say, well, preachers, is there anything else I need to do? Well, in the book of Ma- Matthew chapter 7, God said you not only need to repent, but you need to believe. That means you put all of your confidence in the one person whose name is Jesus Christ. You don't come to him if he's the Son of God. You come into him since he is the Son of God. And if you come to Jesus and you say, well, I believe you might be the Son of God, but I'm sure there's some other way to go to heaven, it's important for me to tell you you are not saved. Jesus has no competitors. It's Christ or hell. Preacher, this is a strong message. This message may make the difference in somebody's eternity who's listening and simply saying, you know what? I've been trying to deal with God. There is no deal with God. He is the deal. And you either change your mind and God changes your life, or you just keep going saying, I'm born again, but what you have is a fictitious character that's supposed to be in your life instead of the reality of Jesus Christ in, by, and through your life. Have you ever come to Christ by simply saying, I don't want my sin. I can't change my life, but I sure changed my mind. I put all of my confidence in Jesus, and I believe you died for me, were buried for me, and raised again for me. And I invite you to come live in my life and save my soul. Well, I did that, but I don't know if it worked. If you've really ever been saved, it worked. And if you can sit here tonight and say, I did that, but I don't know if it worked, it worked then probably the problem is not with Jesus, it's with you. Jesus is 100% for saving every repentant sinner who comes to him by faith. Take your Bible in closing. Go back to the book of Revelation in chapter number 20. You've seen the exaltation of the judge. You've seen the examination by the judge. Then finally tonight, I want you to see the execution of justice. Go to verses 14 and 15. Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. I'm in verse 15 now. And whosoever is not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. On more than one occasion this week, I have taken the book, which is simply a hymn book, and borrowed it from off of this piano. And I brought it to the platform and simply said, if your name is in the book of life, this is a hymn book, But if your name is in the book of life and you belong to Jesus, then you never have to worry about this event because the worst that will happen is you'll be there to pass judgment as one of God's children, not one of Satan's. Now, the Bible says that if you've been born again, then your name is in the book of life. There's two or three views of the book of life. One is when you get born again, that moment your name goes in the book. That's one view. There's another view, and that is that the moment you get born again, your name that was already placed there before you were born is now sealed there. You study Exodus 32, 32, and Psalm 69, 28, and Revelation 3 and verse 5, it would appear that those three verses of Scripture verify that your name was already placed there before you were born on planet Earth. Now, I do want to give you a loving word of warning. You can say, well, see there, my name is already there. Yeah, you can also understand if you get up and walk out tonight, it may simply be that God will erase your name. And you'll never have another chance to be saved. Because when he's finished with you, you're finished. The question everybody has to answer tonight is, is my name in the book of life? And if you just said, no, it's not, or no, I don't have any uh, a way of, of knowing it is, then what you need to do tonight is change your mind and change your faith. Jesus said in Romans twelve nineteen, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. I want to say a word to everybody in the building who names the name of Jesus, and you think you've been saved for a long time. You know, most born-again believers do not believe they will go to this judgment. Well, I want to tell you that's wrong. Because the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2, do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? The word world is the term cosmos. It means people who are not born again. And just as sure as you're sitting in this building tonight and you're listening to this message, I believe there'll be a day that you'll have to go and you will watch people that you knew and knew through life and they worked with you and lived in your neighborhood and lived across the street and you got water at the same water fountain, but you never said anything to them about Jesus. And you say, well, Jesus understands. Here's what he understands, that you're a coward. Preacher, that's me. No, no, no. That's Bible. Because when you get over being a coward, as Peter had to, and you get back into Jesus, everybody that you meet and everybody that meets you will know that you have been with Jesus. So the question tonight is: Are you living as though you have been with Jesus? Are you living that type of life? You say, "Well, preacher." What kind of judgment is this? It's hell fire. You say, so what does that mean? It simply means that this place is an extension of hell. It's worse than hell. The place called hell is gone. It evidently has become a part of this place called the lake of fire. And this place will never go away. Whatever you're like the moment you go to the lake of fire, the first second, you'll be like 33 million seconds later. Because it'll never change. You say, Well, preacher, you'll eventually be consumed, will you? Where does it say you'll be consumed? It doesn't. It simply says that those who go there are there for as long as God lives. Has anybody got a death date for Jesus? Then as long as God lives, which is forever, you'll be in the lake of fire. You say, preacher, I don't want to be in that lake. I don't want to be involved in all that. You don't have to be. Tonight you can change your mind and God will change your life. You can change your mind and God will change your life. I'm going the wrong direction. I'm heading the wrong way. My back is to God. I always thought he'd understand. He doesn't understand except for the fact that he knows you're rebellious. Preacher, you ought not use those words. Oh, you ought to hear some of the words I want to use. Of people who would name the name of Jesus and smile, and people would be patting them on the back thinking they're good folks. They've never been saved. And one of these days, they're going to have to kneel at the nail-scarred feet of Jesus and say, you are Lord. Jesus then picked up and thrown into the lake of fire. I wonder how many of those people at that judgment you and I will know. The third person in line is somebody that looks like somebody you know. Now they're the second person. Now they're the first person. And you know that person. You went to school with them. You worked with them. You worked in the same organization where they were, and they're under judgment, and they're saying, but Jesus, I did my best, and I taught Sunday school, and I went to the church most of the time, and Jesus will say, depart from me. You didn't get it, so I'm going to say it again. He will say, depart from me. I never knew you. I never knew anything about you. Oh, you kept telling people, yes, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, but you never could prove it. So now you have to go to the hell that you denied you were going to, and you're going to live there as long as I live in heaven, but you could have gone to heaven with me if you had repented and believed the gospel. You say, Preacher, that's harsh. That's not harsh. That may be one of the nicest things I've said to you all night because it could keep you from damnation through salvation. Preacher, how do I come to Christ? Number one, you must understand this word, sin. Everybody say it, sin. The Bible says in the book of Romans 3 and verse 23, for all have sinned and come of sure the glory of God. If you've never admitted to God that you're a sinner, you are not saved. God doesn't save nice people. He saves sinners. Number two is the word sentence. And if you don't understand the word sentence, Romans 6.23 says the wages or payment for sin is death. Death in the Bible is separation from God. This hand represents your body and this hand represents your soul. The day you die, your soul and body will be forever separated. They will not come back together, at least not in a good way. And you'll have to spend an eternity damned and doomed and cursed You'll be in the same hell with Hitler and Mussolini and Mohammed Ali and others because none of them go to heaven after they die when they died without Christ before they died. Number three is the word sacrifice. What that simply means is Jesus did for you what you couldn't do for yourself. On the cross, on his body, he took your sin. He took your lying and cheating and stealing Your hatred, your profanity, your pornography, he took every sin that you have ever thought about committing and put it on his body. And he paid for, it's important everybody gets this, he paid for all your sins. Not some of them. All of them. And with his red royal blood... If you repent of your sin and receive him, he takes that blood to wash away every sin in your life. And when you go to kneel at the judgment seat of Christ, which is different than the one we've been talking about, the judgment seat of Christ is not for the unsaved, it's for the saved. And you give an account of what you did as a child of God, you're not going to give an account of Of the sins that he forgave, you're going to give an account for the things that you didn't do that he wanted you to do. For some of you that are sitting here tonight saying, I don't care what you preach, I don't believe that. That's your problem, not mine. Because I've studied every verse in this entire Bible multiple times. And I find nobody gets a second chance at the great white throne judgment. Nobody. You say, well, preacher, then if I come to him and I ask him to save me and he comes into my life and he takes away my sin, does he put my name in the book of life? Depends on whether you believe he puts it there then or whether he put it there to begin with. And what he simply does is seal over it. He said, that person belongs to me. Did you realize tonight in a moment we're going to walk out of this building, and some of you may walk out And you may never walk back because you decided there was something you could do eventually that God would accept. You are wasting your life. Because He's not going to accept anything you've ever done for Him. Nothing. But if you come and realize there's nothing you can offer Him except a sinful lifestyle and faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. And He comes into your life and your name goes in the book of life. Never again you have to worry about hell. It's over. You're in his presence. One of these days you may die in your sleep, but you'll wake up in heaven. One of these days you may drop over on a ball field, but you'll wake up in heaven. There are all kinds of ways to die. And you'll worry about your death until it's settled in your mind that he's in your heart, he's in your life, your name's in the book of life, and you couldn't go to hell if you wanted to. It's all found in the Word of God. A number of years ago in Cincinnati, Ohio, not Cincinnati, but up in Cleveland, a teenage boy was working a Saturday night shift, and he met a man who changed his life. He said, the man came in and was brought by two other people. He'd been burned over a good portion of his body and was in terrible pain. He worked for a company that made a white powder, and that white powder was used to put on burns. And if you put them on burns and you put it on right, it could quench the searing and seething that was in the person's life. And he had the place where he worked. He went over and he saw the desk was open and nobody was around. And he looked and didn't see anybody. And he thought, that's the substance. That's what they make here. And I'm going to take some. And so he took it and put it in his pocket and took it home. His mind was simply, I'm going to use it one of these days and I'll have some fun. This is a true story. A couple of months later, he's having a drinking, drugging party. And he suddenly remembers the vial. So he went to the study and he picked up the vial and he called some of his friends and he said, let's go back here to the bathroom. I want to show you something most of you have never seen. He went back and put the stopper in and put some beads of water in the sink and threw some of the powder in and a large explosion took place. The people couldn't believe what they were seeing. He put more water in place. They said, do it bigger. He walked over to the toilet, and on his way over, one foot got behind the other foot. And in his inebriated condition, he went over, and his hand slammed against the rim of the toilet. Much of it went into the toilet. Some of it was on the outside. It covered his shirt. It covered his face. There was a couple of men that had been drinking much, and they put him in a car, and they took him to the ER. The orderlies didn't know what to do. They'd never seen anything like this. The nurse was not exactly sure what it was, but she thought maybe she could wipe some of it off, and so she went over and got a sterile pad and put some st- uh, stuff on there that she thought would take out the sting, and when she got within the proximity of the man's face, a large stream of fire shot out of his jaw and consumed her pad. He began to beat his face and scream, I'm in hell. Do you hear me? I'm burning in hell. Do you people hear what I'm saying? They took him and strapped him down. When the doctor came, he wasn't sure what he was dealing with. He had enough sense to know this man needs help. He decided not to give him a sedative. Instead, he simply said, I'm going to have to do this, and you're not going to get anything to kill the pain. So he goes to the first area, and he takes his scalpel, and he puts it in between the skin and the white powder, And the first thing he does is remove it, and the man begins to groan. He goes to the second place, and pretty soon the man's screaming. He said, do you people hear me? I'm burning, and I'm in hell. Somebody needs to help me. Do you hear what I'm telling you? Until he finally passed out. The boys stood there through the whole surgery. Finally, they rolled him into the recovery room. The boys stood and didn't go anywhere. They just stood there. They were in shock. The physician went and washed up and cleaned himself up and came back into the operating room, and there stand the two orderlies, almost as if they had seen a dead man rise from the dead. The doctor went over and he looked at those boys and he said, boys, I don't know much about you, but I can tell you this. What happened tonight is nothing Compared to hell. And if you die in your sin and go to hell, you won't be there temporarily. You'll be in hell for as long as there is a God. The next day, the young man was still under conviction. He told the pastor, he said, Pastor, I need to be saved now. Not sometime later. I need to be saved now. And the first day you believe the story that I told you and realize you're lost, you will not run from Jesus, you'll run to Jesus.